Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine and sponsored by Steer. Broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We will be joined by Texas Railroad Commissioner Wayne Christian. But before we get to Wayne, I'd like to take a brief moment and talk to you about our latest issue of Shell Magazine. Our cover, this issue, is ConocoPhillips, in which we talk a little bit about the amazing company, their great work that they did in handling Hurricane Harvey, and of course, the chairman and CEO, Ryan Lance as well. It's an issue that you definitely want to read. So I encourage you to go to shellmag.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and read all about ConocoPhillips and Ryan Lance. And now it's time to bring on our resident energy expert and editor of Shell Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to the show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. Isn't it? After so much rain and it's uh, drying up now, the sun's out, but it's nice and cool and crisp. So I couldn't very, agree with you. Very, very nice. You know, uh, we uh, have been uh, on on the road, uh, Fernando, our executive producer and myself, um, because we're being asked to do shows now remotely um, and covering events. And so we just got through doing one that will air starting next week with the Deloitte conference. And, and boy, you know, it's always exciting to be on the road and to see so many dynamic things happening uh and you're you're basically being uh put directly in the middle of it right then and there like we're right in the action so one of the things that was um pretty cool was the announcement that chesapeake was purchasing wild horses assets so yeah really surprising it's a big acquisition and you know of course on uh, thursday morning we had the announcement that in canna uh, was merging with Newfield and with Encana being the surviving company. And uh, that's a really big acquisition for Encana as well. Well, you know, it's nice to be able to uh, report on things as they're happening and announcing it here, uh, either through Shell Magazine or Twitter or uh, on the radio show. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we've had Encana's president, Doug Suttles, on the cover, uh, what, a couple we of years did. ago? Yeah. Very dynamic. Yeah, about 18 months ago. Very dynamic guy, yeah. Exactly. So there's a lot happening, which leads me into, wow, we've had a big drop in oil prices this week. Just as the <laughs> just as the President Trump and his administration renewed sanctions on Iran, that they are actually going into full effect now. So a month ago, the experts were saying that we were going to $100 a barrel in oil prices. And now some analysts are predicting 55. So here we go again. <laughs> Tell me what is going on. Well, I, the truth is probably, you know, here in the next month or two, we'll probably end up somewhere in the middle of that, I think. Um, it, it's not going to 100. It, it, yeah, you're right. Back in August and September, as, uh, you know, we were kind of getting close to November 1st when the sanctions went back in place, you had all these people out there predicting, oh, it's going to be $100, $200 a barrel oil when all this Iranian crude comes off the market. So what's happened? Well, what's happened is as the Iranian crude over the last couple of months has 
already begun coming off the market because, you know, companies in other countries have stopped doing business with them. Uh, you know, Saudi Arabia and Russia and some of these other OPEC nations are filling the void and increasing their own production to fill the void. And now there is some sentiment and, and some belief that, oh, they've gone overboard. They're producing too much. They're going to recreate a glut on the market. And so what we saw this past week was a lot of institutional investors who have had long positions uh, in crude oil futures, you know, betting on the price to continue rising into 2019, dumping all those long positions. And at about a four to one ratio of selling long positions as opposed to short positions in crude oil. And so that resulted in a pretty significant price drop midweek and uh, into the late week. And uh, I think probably it's pretty much over at this point. And uh, here over the next several weeks, uh, particularly after the elections end. The other thing that's happening, too, is anticipation uh, bets going in that the Democrats are going to win control of the House of Representatives in the midterm election. So we'll We'll just see about that. If they are, that's, you know, if they do, that's considered not really good for oil prices. And uh, so people are kind of making those bets as well this week. But, uh, you know, depending on how the elections go, that could all reverse next week. So we'll just have to wait and see. So get out and vote. But my question to you is changing gears just a little bit. So a lot of discussion at the Deloitte conference focused around uh, a new word called OPEC+. Plus. So, mm-hmm. so basically, in essence, what they were saying is, you know, a long time ago, it was a Texas Railroad Commissioner that was setting the prices of oil, as, and then uh, it went to OPEC. And now we really don't have anybody because Shale, Shale Place showed that it's, they are, we are not, Shale is not going to be setting oil prices. Right. So the discussion was that this OPEC Plus really needs to come on because we need somebody to be able to be a swing producer. And if OPEC plus works, will we stop seeing such a swing in volatility? Is that what will happen? Or what are your thoughts on OPEC plus? Yeah. Uh, and and to some extent, it, that's already happened. You know, you've had. So what OPEC plus would be would be Russia, Mexico and a couple of other non-OPEC countries essentially becoming joining OPEC to create this super cartel that would work to control crude oil prices and keep them in a steady range. And really, over the last couple of years, they've been fairly successful in doing that. You know, we've had over the past month, we've had these market conditions where there's been, you know, kind of wild swings in the stock markets because of concern over China's economy stalling out uh, over the trade war with the United States. And that is happening. They're slowing down because you know, they're being disadvantaged uh, with these tariffs, and they're going to have to work a solution out to that soon. But once that's worked out, and once there's a new trade agreement in place with China, which is going to happen in the next probably half a year or so, um, then all that factor is going to be gone, and we'll probably return to a period of pretty stable conditions in the oil markets and in the stock market. So, it's yeah, but but to this point, you know, they've been having to renew that agreement every six months. And what the Saudis and Russians have been talking about is, hey, when we meet in December, 
you know, let's make this a long-term arrangement, a multi-year arrangement, so that you're not having to renew it every six months. And and so that's that's what OPEC Plus would be. And I think it's a great idea. It would be very stabilizing for the crude markets. Very interesting. Now, Bank of America, changing gears a little bit, but still staying on the topic of oil prices. Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, had a new report out that predicted this week that natural gas prices could possibly spike as high as $5 per MCF. Um, and if uh, if we had a strong cold winter, is that realistic? Sure. Yeah, that could happen temporarily. You could have a if you had a really, you know, a weeks long, very cold event in the Northeast, in particular, in the Midwest, where so much natural gas uh, power is is located. Um, yeah, you could see a spike because right now, going into the winter season, as we talked about last week. Natural gas storage levels are well below the five-year, not just the five-year average, but they're below the five-year range, about 10 to 15 percent below that range. And so that's that's as low as they've been in a, quite a long time. And so if you did have a, you know, a real cold event in, you know, the Midwest and Northwest for two to three weeks, yeah, I, I think it could spike as high as that. But it would be a short-term event. It would be something that would last no more than a few months because the immediate producer reaction to that is going to activate more drilling rigs to drill more wells. And pretty soon, you know, we're just going to be right back to the big surplus of natural gas again. Exactly. And quickly, the Porter Corpus Christi, they made a big announcement this week. They partnership with the Carlisle Group to develop crude export, a, a crude export terminal on Harbor Island. Uh, talk to me about this development. How important is it for the port and also for the oil and gas industry? Well, it's a big deal. You know, Harbor Island is right across the, the ship channel from uh, from Port Aransas, and, and it's strategically located there. It wouldn't take a lot of work uh, to get this terminal in place. They think they can do it in just about a year and a half. It would be active by mid to late 2020. And the reality is we need that new ability to, you know, new infrastructure for exports. Uh, and the good thing about this terminal would be it would be able to land and fully load these this biggest class of oil tankers, which is becoming more and more common in the industry. So we need we need that port that's able to land those big tankers and load them. And, and that's the target there. And so good for the Port of Corpus Christi for, for engaging that and trying to get it done. Exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, David, that is all the time that we have for this show. But I would like to encourage our listeners, if you have a question for our resident energy expert or for me, please email me at radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at shellmag.com. And I promise you, we will answer your question. Well, David, that being said, that's all the time we have for this week. Look forward to having you back next week when we surely will talk more on oil, gas, and politics. (laughs) Yeah, I'll look forward to it. And with that, we do have to take a quick break. But when we return, we will be joined by Texas Railroad Commissioner Wayne Christian. But we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. In the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute, produced by shalemag.com. Here's Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your current industry update. This is Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your Energy Minute. How low are oil prices? Did fears over Iranian production have an impact? Said another way, if we took out the Iranian sanctions, what would prices have been this year? 
Of course, we don't know for sure, but here is one data point worth considering. At the beginning of the year, my commission office evaluated the market and I announced that I expected WTI would hover between $58 and $66 per barrel for most of the year, barring a major impact from events such as Iranian sanctions. So as we look back now, perhaps oil prices are not too low today, but rather production fears skewed prices higher for the last few months, and now they have begun to settle. WTI lost $1.42 to end yesterday at $63.58 per barrel. This is Ryan Sitton, and that's your Energy Minute. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at shalemag.com. Agreco has been powering the Permian Basin for over 10 years, supporting Permian producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. Agreco supports power systems as small as a single 200 kilowatt to as large as a 50 megawatt power plant. So when your utility power is delayed, call on Agreco to engineer a diesel, natural gas, or battery solution to fit your needs. We have immediate availability right here in the Permian Basin. Call 1-800-AGRECO or online agreco.com. Oilfield Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Here's the number, so write it down. Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellato. We have a great show lined up for you. Today, we will be joined by one of the Texas Railroad Commissioners, Commissioner Wayne Christian. Wayne, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Honored to be with you, Kim. It's been a while since you've been on the show, and so we're so happy to have you back. Uh, but Wayne, before we get started, let's t- let's talk a little bit about the Texas Railroad Commission. It's its scope, what it's designed to do. Um, you know, we we know and we understand that the Texas Railroad Commission, um, you guys regulate everything oil and gas. But besides that, go into a little bit of detail as far as it's an elected position. What is the the position of all of, of the Texas Railroad Commission? We, we have three commissioners. We're on rotating six-year terms, which means one of us run every two years. So it's it's a cyclical position, and we, we're much like a, a tribunal judge. We take the great work that our attorneys, our judges do in reviewing cases, the applications, and if there's any controversy in that or anything that needs ultimate approval or disapproval, then on those few cases, they come before the commissioners themselves. We meet twice a month on average, and uh, we hear much as a tribunal and decide by the vote uh, whether or not we accept or decline the recommendations of our staff, our group of attorneys. So it's much like a tribunal judge, a group of judges, much how it works. But we are just kind of overseeing, and we meet in executive sessions. We implement policies for oil and gas. We listen to that. But again, most of the great work is done by those that don't uh, sit in the spotlight but are sitting there doing a great job for the citizens. So understanding that the Railroad Commission covers everything oil and gas and more, let's let's talk about that too. What uh, is under y'all's umbrella? Because it's a massive job that you guys are responsible for. And And by the way, in my opinion as a Texan, it's probably one of the most important um, elected positions we have in Texas when we think about how much uh, money is 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 received from this position. What does the Texas Railroad Commission specifically cover? 
Basically, you can think of it as everything until it gets to the refinery. Once it gets to the refinery, then our responsibility basically ends. So we're, we're in charge of everything in the ground until it gets to the refining operation. And that's basically what the Railroad Commission does. And you mentioned the economy of the Railroad Commission. Uh, just real quickly, it's 30% of the economy of Texas is either direct or indirect oil, gas, or coal, which is amazing. Amazing, talking, yeah. If Texas were a country in and of itself, we would be number three in the world in energy production. Uh, the, the discovery we just had out in West Texas in November of 2016 is the world's largest discovery of oil and gas. And it has resulted in energy security for the nation, economic security. More importantly, a lot of people don't understand this. And I was with the Israeli ambassador over in Israel several months ago. And I asked him, did the discovery of oil in Texas make any difference in the negotiations, Mr. Ambassador, you've had here for the United States? He turned to me and said, Mr. Commissioner, all the difference in the world. And he said, not only that, but said around the world, we have a conference call each month, and it's changed the entire world dynamics for all of us worldwide for the United States. And it just humbled me to understand what the good Lord had given Texas. This is not just energy security, it's national security. We don't have to send our young men and women, you know, to battles just to attain the, the access to Persian Gulf oil anymore. We are now building the world dominance of oil, which is national security and that's very exciting but to uh anyone who is thinking that's all great and dandy but of course uh it's causing a global warming or it's causing all these problems i want to say that the texas railroad commission is is the regulatory body that not only because they're elected by texans you guys do a, such a great job as well in looking after the community and making sure that we have really no bad operators. So let's talk a little bit about that because you guys really do protect Texas in the way of oil and gas as well. So let's talk on 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 that topic just a little bit. Okay, yes, our job is to, is to represent the citizens of Texas and the industries of Texas and make sure basically that the bad actors uh, are corrected, moved out of the way, punished so that the majority of good folks can keep doing their job, which is historically what happens in Texas. And I think the Railroad Commission in Texas have approached the industry and uh, the, representing the citizens very different from many other states, and that's why we're the most respected in Texas. We try to do everything we can to incentivize free market got people, men and women, to come in and risk what they have to discover and produce oil and gas. And once they do it, then our job for the citizens is to regulate for safety, for cleanliness, to make sure they're doing it responsibly, and uh, make sure and be just the, the court, the, the regulating body that watches over that production. And we've been quite successful through the years and had some tremendous opportunities. And you mentioned real quickly people that are concerned of oil and gas dirtying the atmosphere. Uh, I can go on and on about that one, but just this past week, uh, data has come out showing that the IPCC, which is the ones that started all of this stuff with Mr. Al Gore and them several decades back about how the cooling of the planet and all this, uh, their facts were very wrong. They did a tremendous study at uh, the Research Institute of East Ang Anglia and uh, other institutions across the United States and beyond and found that they were using Fahrenheit instead of centigrade. They were using other things, and they've been uh, predicting the the, uh, the movement that we were going to go uh, and shut down the planet, that the ice was going to melt and the, the seas were going to rise. Right. I mean, we had, all remember that they, one. <laughs> gonna, they've been doing that for decades, and every single time they predicted has been wrong. And uh, 
the sad part of this is I was with an MIT professor just a couple of months ago. The cost of producing electricity in the United States has decreased by 50 percent the past decade. But the retail cost of the consumer has stayed level. Where is that 50 percent of your electric bill, whether you're a business or individual, every month go up? And this professor gave the study. It's going to support windmills and solar panels, which cannot exist without taxpayer subsidy. So every time you write your check for your electric bill, 50% of that's going to keep wind and solar people making millions of dollars. Uh, and Elon Musk, 500 million in growing off of your tax dollar. Yeah, I'm propping up that industry. Exactly. You got it. Wayne, when we return, I want to talk about you were hosting the 86 Legislative uh, Energy Summit. When we get back, I want to talk a little bit about what you guys covered. But we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha source side-by-side owner study. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Commissioner Wayne Christian with the Texas Railroad Commission. Wayne, before the break, we were talking about the role of the tex- of the commission. Um, let's pivot just a little bit and talk about um, you um, were, disca- you know, I want to get into the environment. We, we talked about how you guys protect the environment, but there's a lot of reports, research that kind of uh, discuss that energy and oil and gas, fossil fuels are always really bad. What's your opinion on, is this really bad for Earth? Is this changing uh, and and moving us closer to global warming? And what is going on with all these scare tactics or discussions on, uh, we're heading uh, for a brick wall here? You know, I've been really in this for about, well, I've been sitting here for about 20 years, 25 years in the in the legislature, in the Energy Committee, and now uh, about two years in, on the Railroad Commission. I've really concentrated the last couple of years in studying this issue, and I find that the the what's what is harming the opportunity for Texas to take advantage of this largest natural gas and oil find in history is one thing: a lack of labor. We do not have enough labor force because many of our young people have been taught the millennials that oil and gas is something dirty, nasty, and it's limited, and it's going out of business, and so it's not a good career to go into. So we're, we have a shortage of qualified people in the industry. We also, secondly, uh, people, the public, the politicians, the legislators have been taught that oil and gas is temporary. We need to get rid of it fast as we can. It's like tobacco. We need to throw it away. So their thought is we need to put all this money into alternative energy which is absolutely false. And so there's all these negatives that go in people's minds, and the general public thinks that we're polluting the environment, the globe is going to warm, and that the icebergs are all going to melt, and we're all going to be under sea, according to Al Gore and some of the other people. And I've had the the Prime Minister of Australia last week said that was the biggest scam upon the public in history. The head of the Weather Channel, who is a uh, uh, is a scientist by career, says it's the biggest scam ever upon the public. And you start looking at the evidence, 
And there's a great difference of what's happened. Easy example to think about I've used with audiences in the general public is take 1900 Texas. Average age was 45 years of age. Uh, you had people that worked seven days a week in agriculture, 85% of people working in agriculture, hard work, hard labor, couldn't realize other occupations. They, the average lifespan was 45. The two largest environmental causes of death were they froze to death when the heat wasn't there during the winter or they starved to death when there wasn't enough food. And there were diseases for which there was no cure. You take today, today average lifespan 75 years of age and increasing. You have people that uh, only 1.5% of the population is in agriculture feeding a third of the planet. You have it's a catastrophe if anybody age 25 or younger passes away in the community where in 1900, every, almost every family had a child five years of age or younger that passed away from disease. And today, we no longer have starvation. We have an obesity problem, and people no longer freeze to death. We gripe because the thermostat's not too hot or cold, whatever. Now, understand, what's the difference in those two worlds? Oil, gas, and coal. But it's oil, gas, and coal has been good for mankind. And we have a cleaner environment today than we did 20 years ago. And there is a the temperature has gone down the last 20 years, by the way. So it's it's a lot of evidence. Uh, you can take the Paris Accord, one thing that we did not enter that, thank God. Think of the logic in this one. $78 trillion we were going to pay to the Paris Accord, and it was going to be for the purpose of possibly decreasing the world temperature by two degrees, possibly by 2050, I believe was the date. Now, I ask you a question. Would you bet me $100 that what the weatherman says on tonight's news is going to be 100% accurate tomorrow? No. And we're sitting, we're going to put $78 trillion to hope it doesn't go up two degrees by 2050. Give me a break. That's the worst investment in the world. And by the way, the, the, they've just come out with an article this week that a lot of that Paris card people are bailing out of it because it's all put completely false and with lots of money from folks uh, making it off of the environmental issue. Exactly. And that's what I liked was when Donald Trump said, we're pulling out of it because it's the greatest uh, transformation of wealth we'll ever see in our lifetime. And and truth be told, if some of the largest polluters on the planet, China and India, because they're emerging countries, don't have to participate now, but 20 years from now, and they can pull out any time they want. Why would we enter into it now and start, you know, giving all of this wealth to these countries, and then they don't have to do it for 20 years? It makes me as a citizen wonder, well, if we're in dire straits, why are we giving them the biggest polluters 20 years to get their stuff together? <laughs> it just makes, yeah, it makes it was, no sense. The logic when people look at it is completely, uh, it was a huge scam, as is, as is much now, we will clean air, clean water, but the thing, the difference between us and the IPCC and the Sierra Club and others is we have produced that in Texas, a cleaner, better environment and a better lifestyle for human beings. When we get back from break, I want to get into the 86th legislative session that you were, of course, hosting. We do have to take a quick break. You are listening to End the Old Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. Email us, info at shalemag.com.
And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Commissioner Wayne Christian, who is a commissioner with the Texas Railroad. Um, Wayne, I want to get on the topic you hosted recently, uh, an energy summit with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. Tell me a little bit about you were this um, summit was focusing, of course, on energy here, specifically in Texas. Um, why, can you tell me a little bit about the discussion and why was this important to the audience? Well, of course, we tried to get all of the legislators, staff, et cetera, that, that will be in the upcoming, starting in January, the 86th legislative session will be occurring then. And so I thought it'd be good to bring the staff, the legislators together, the other folks in Austin to hear what was currently happening with the Railroad Commission and with Energy in Texas. The main thing I learned in my you know, 15, 14 years in the legislature is when you approach the legislature, their job is about how to allocate the money. We think about all the issues, and this feels good, doesn't feel good, and that's very important, compassionate, emotional issues that we as a public are concerned about. But when it gets to the legislature, their job is whether to fund or not fund those items. And so some of the information that I've already discussed, 30% of the uh, economy in Texas, one out of every 10 job is oil and gas, that uh, we have the fastest growing opportunity, the largest discovery in the history of mankind that currently the Railroad Commission is now supervising coming out of West Texas. We're building LNG ports along the state. We have jobs like never in history in Texas. That information is dollars and cents. And when the, when the legislators also need to be reminded, and that was the purpose of our summit, that all of the rainy day fund 100% comes from oil and gas and coal in Texas, 100%. We could, we're the emergency fund. And for every dollar they fund the Railroad Commission, they, the legislature, for the citizens, get about $51.25 for every dollar they invest. And then that we're doing the responsible job. And that was an overall purpose is just to acquaint, bring up to date the legislature because they're sitting here being told by others that uh, we need more windmills and solar panels. And so I went through one session showing how windmills and solar panels are are scam upon the American public. They're currently for energy. There's not the need for them. They are not as clean as coal, literally, in, in what they produce. And economically, the leg- this legislature, which spends the money of the taxpayer, the taxpayer then is funding totally the industry. T. Boone Pickens quoted, why did he go into wind years ago out in West Texas? He said, because the government was paying me a lot of money to do it. Ain't hard to figure out. And so we're trying to get the truth out there so that we'll do the responsible thing with our dollars and cents. The largest opportunity for jobs literally in the history of the state is right before us. We've discovered that largest supply. The pipelines that need to be built are historical. There are more pipelines to be built on the drawing board right now any time in history. Three liquefied natural gas ports, huge, uh, millions of uh, uh, barrels of oil and gas to be LNG to be stored on the, the coast to go and provide for Europe uh, their new uh, natural gas through LNG. We have uh, a refinery being built down Corpus Christi. So tremendous opportunity. The largest producer, man- the largest manufacturer in the United States is the Port of Houston. Their product chemicals. And so when you start looking at all these opportunities, that is what we need to educate our young people, our citizens, number one, that these jobs are available. They're good paying jobs and they're they're available from every, uh, st- whether it be technical skills training we need more of, our public school education, our education for engineering and our higher education institutions um, are short right now of what they can produce. And so an emphasis right now 
And, and secondly, we're, we're many of our higher education institutions and many of our public schools, the teachers have been taught, the professors have been taught, again, all this false narrative that oil and gas is dirty and running out and all this kind of stuff, which is absolutely false. And we uh, are teaching that to our children. Our children, our millennials, all graduating from college now, are thinking that oil and gas is something terrible and dirty, and they don't want to participate in it. So we have a shortage of labor. It's a big threat to this success. And so we met with Texas Education Agency, the Higher Education Coordinating Board, and we reported during our uh, our meeting our season, uh, to the legislature that TEA has agreed to put an energy course in the public school curriculum and to start educating from kindergarten on to children that all address the truth of it, the positives and the negatives. And so that was part of it, of trying to get an education out there. But of course, that doesn't get the jobs for right now that are available. And people need to understand there are jobs in Texas like no other state available in the oil and gas industry. Right. Well, you know, that's a big win. I mean, thank you for doing that. That's a huge win for uh, the energy sector. And you are right. You know, I, I have a, a three-year-old grandson and three years old he's talking about recycling and he's hearing this on tv youtube and it's important that we should kind of try to recycle just because it's just you know something that we should be doing but at the same time if they're reaching them when they're three years old and it's not the recycling part i'm worried about it's all this other information that's not accurate it starts so young the part of that is they're being taught there's some problem that we are not recycling, that we're not doing this, that we're not cleaning the environment. That's a fallacy. Yes, we're doing it. Exactly. The, the answer is been there, done that. And Texas and our oil and gas industry and coal industry have done it like almost no other industry. We use less than 1% of the total water in the state of Texas. But who do you think the public thinks is dirtying up all the water? Oil, oil and gas. gas. <laughs> right. A, a fallacy. It's false. Uh, there has been, we did a study with the uh, EPA this past December on thousands of oil and gas drilling rigs across the state of Texas and injection wells and disposal wells. And after all the study of thousands of injections and disposal wells, we could not find one drop of drinking water polluted in the state of Texas over all that span of thousands of wells and the, were commended by the EPA nationally for having done so. So the idea that we're going through fracking, horizontal drilling, we're harming the drinking water, that's false. It just has not happened. Right. You know, we've had Alex Epstein on the show before. He has an amazing book called uh, The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels. And, you know, I encourage our listeners, anyone, pick up that book, order it, and read it. It will really help you understand how truly through technology and energy we're actually it's actually extending lives and it's actually cleaning the planet and it it's an amazing book to read and and truly get educated to what's really the important things going on in energy that's, that's what you want is the truth understand there are negatives to oil and gas certainly a good example are prescription drugs are there negatives to prescription drugs certainly there are i mean you can't listen to a television commercial that while they're holding hands walking along if you can your head can fall off your hands can fall off your ears you know they all you can die things. <laughs> yes you die in a minute but the logic of that if there's negatives to oil and gas and we're going to stop producing it because there's some negatives to it then the logic would be for prescription drugs well if there's negatives to prescription drugs let's stop all medicine let people not have medications for disease the, the logic is inconsistent. And by the way, I had Alec up to the IOGCC, which is the 31 states that produce oil and gas, a meeting in Utah just last month. Met with him, invited him up, and he spoke to the group. Great friend. 
Awesome. Well, Gwen, when we get back, I want to talk about uh, another very interesting topic that you guys covered in this Energy Summit. And of course, it was uh, uh, discussing modern environmentalism and politicized science. But we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Oil Field Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Commissioner Wayne Christian with the Texas Railroad Commission. Wayne, I want to switch gears a little bit and get on some world topics because obviously Texas oil is very important to the United States. It's paving the way, but the oil energy situation is much larger. It's a commodity that's a world commodity. And a lot of, I think, people struggle with you know, we hear what's going on here and it's great, but then we hear other things uh, across the, the spectrum and in different countries and that doesn't sound too good. So I want to get into uh, the EIA released their numbers, which explained that they had 6 million barrels of oil and so their stockpile, but then the API released a report saying that there were 10 million barrels and that of course oil was outpacing the demand for the last five weeks total. Um, what does this mean? There's inconsistency. So what does this mean between the EIA and the API? Well, the, the definite truth is uh, all the projections point to the fact, and many do not consider the fact, of, again, this uh, recent discovery in Texas of the largest amount in history of oil and gas. And when you factor that in, everything goes to pot they've been doing historically because all of a sudden the United States, from being dependent in the importing nation, to oil and gas, we are now at the. We are now within 18 months of this discovery. We are the world's largest exporter, number one of oil and gas on the planet. Now, that's a night and day change in just two years' time, and it's just it, it's astounding. And again, like I've said before, the jobs we need, the pipelines being built are more than any time in history. And what's happening is, you remember Donald Trump went to NATO and kind of put chewed out in public. Germany for having making the pipeline deal with uh, Putin. Guess what? This last week was announced that Merkel had said she'd withdrawn from the deal with Putin on the pipelines. Guess what? Uh, we won. The, the gas will now be coming from LNG plants, hopefully along the coast of Texas. So it's an entire new dynamic for oil and gas worldwide that we are now, uh, like I mentioned, over in Israel. For 70 years, Harry Truman, when he recognized the nation of Israel, said we cannot afford, and his policy cannot afford, to provide military help. We can provide economic help, science research, we can assist them, but we can't get involved militarily with Israel because we are dependent upon Jordan and Saudi Arabia at the time for our oil and gas. For the first time in 70 years, we can snub our nose at Saudi Arabia when they say they're going to increase the cost of $200 a barrel. Because the United States is now the major exporter, and it, as we get the facilities up, and that's what we need, it's, we're not there yet, but as we get these facilities of distribution worldwide, we will be in control of the oil and gas prices, everything else on planet Earth. West Texas crude will again be the world standard. There's, there's a book that you might be interested in reading called The Prize, 
And it makes it says every war since 1850, the entire book has been that every world war has basically been over access to energy. The Persian Gulf, the Kuwait, you can go through all those and there's debate politically on it. But basically all those wars, we've sent our men and women to die so that we could have access to that energy that we had to have from the Middle East. That's changed. And it's changing if we do the right thing. Now, if we do what the the uh, keep it in the ground folks are doing, who call us a bunch of flat earthers, uh, then we won't. We keep doing what the institutions of higher learning are teaching our kids about oil and gas. We may not succeed. But if we keep doing what we're doing and taking advantage of what the good Lord's given us in the ground, which are natural resources like no other place on planet Earth, uh, the future looks very bright for the state and the nation. Exactly. Last question, China. China has really been uh, this hot potato for many different reasons. The the uh, of course the um, the tariffs and of course um, there's the Iran deal as well that is going to go. The sanctions are going to go into effect November fourth. Um, China, I think, is reported that they have not purchased anything from Iran as and won't be in November. Tell me what you think about those dynamics that are going on between China and Iran and the new sanctions. How are they going to affect the U.S.? Well, frankly, it'll be short term, like every other instance that you've seen our president negotiate short term. He read his book, The Art of the Deal. You go and ask for far more than you know you're going to attain. And the press calls him ridiculous, stupid, crazy. He'll never get that. And what do we wind up with at the end of the day? More than we've ever had in the negotiation. The, the, and that is exactly what he continues. I just say. I, ho- I hope that it's consistent with every other negotiation he's made, such as with Ms. Merkel in, G- in Germany when he, at NATO, I, we just talked about, told them get away from Putin. And everybody said, oh, how dare he be so rude? Guess what? They got away from Putin. Uh, and North and South Korea, you hadn't seen a bomb blow up or a missile fly over uh, Japan lately, and the progress starts. So I think China is the same thing. He goes into it, and everybody goes, oh, my gosh, he's not presidential. He's arguing, demanding more. That's unreasonable what he's asking. I hope that it's consistent. We wind up from China with more relationships, lower tariffs, more agreements for the good of the country and the world than we've ever had. And that's where I believe it's going. Consistent, I believe, the facts of what we're seeing. And the mood, the mood of the EPA and the leadership, and I, I'm on the LGCC Governor Abbott was honored me to be there, which are the 31 producing states. And I had a uh, appeal filed by them, a resolution to the federal Congress for them to release as many as they could possibly of regulations uh, back to the state control from the federal control. And I impressed that we do it at the last meeting because I'm very afraid of this upcoming election. But if we continue with the control in Congress we currently have, we can see a lot of these states' rights come back on energy that the states can take care of them on the state level, which will be dynamically important for our industry, for our citizens to have profits and dollars from their minerals, which is what the job of the Railroad Commission is to do. Exactly. And very interesting. But Commissioner uh, Christian, that is all the time we had. It seemed like the show was literally five minutes. I can talk to you for hours. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and talking to us about oil and gas and the Texas Railroad Commission. Great honor to visit with you, Kim. Enjoyed it. Thanks again, Commissioner Christian, for being a guest on our show today. And congratulations, because you are the topic of today's trivia question. Be the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shellmag.com and you will have a chance to win a $75 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the amazing Brazilian steakhouse. Today's question is, what is the regulatory body 
that Commissioner Christian was elected to. Be the first person to email the correct answer to this trivia question to radio at shellmag.com and you will have a chance to win a $75 gift certificate to Fogo de Chao, the amazing Brazilian steakhouse. I'd like to encourage our listeners, if you have a question, we are here to answer it. If you have a question, no matter how simple or how difficult you think it might be, please email us at radio at shellmag.com. Again, that's radio at shellmag.com. And we will have our resident energy expert, David Blackman, answer it for you. But that is all the time we have for this show. Please be sure to like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash in the oil patch. And follow us on Twitter at ShellMag. And also be sure to go to ShellMag.com and sign up for our free newsletter. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and sign up for our free newsletter. That is going to wrap up another great show. We'll see you next week with more exciting news and insightful interviews. Until then, adios. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.